One of the things that I learned when I was over there uh, was <clears throat> in this area of that whiteboard over there. And so I'm going to pull this over because um, it was quite cool. Vera gave me a prophetic word some time ago, and she saw a picture of me teaching on a whiteboard. And I didn't do too much um, with it as far as it sort of, I thought, well, he'll lead that when he wants that. And some of us are probably going to be a little bit hard to see this today, but we're going to try and work on a solution that we can try and get it up on the screen. But um, this sort of just came uh, while I was in Cambodia. And there was a whiteboard behind me as I was teaching, and all of a sudden I grabbed the pen and I started writing and scribing and drawing. And my drawing's not that flash, so go with it. Um, stick figure stuff. But through it, what was happening was the spirit was just unleashing stuff, and then I could reiterate back to it, point to it, reiterate the point again. And somehow hearing it and seeing it seemed to have an impact where what was being declared was going in deeper because of the visualization, because we're such visual people. And so I hope today, as I speak, that you can hear and see if I actually use it. It may stay majority blank, so I'm just going to be led by him in it. Uh, I know there's something I'm about to put up there very soon, but we'll just pray and we'll get into it. Father, I thank you for being our Father. And I thank you, Lord, that our behavior doesn't determine whether you are our Father or not. Your love does. And we are your family. You have chosen, selected, predetermined us to be your children. And there is so much life and hope in that, Father, and so much security in that, that, Lord, that we don't have to worry, we don't have to be stressed, we don't have to fear anything. But we can just be. We can be sons we can be family and live from that place, not trying to wrestle for identity, but just allow you to shape our identity and who we are in you and to live as glorified sons. So God, as I speak today, speak through me. Help me to be this well and speak from the well and help me to be the vessel that you just speak through. But Lord, let everything be living. Let everything be living in your name. Amen. So I've called this, and it's above me, transformational family. Transformational family. We're not called to be a business. We're not an organization. We're not a club. We're a family. And the challenge for us is to have a revealed position of the word family. Because the challenge for the church is to live as a family. Because so much of how we live, if we're being honest, is as an organization as an institution, as a club. Because we have that mindset of that, and we don't, as a whole, and I talk about as the whole, I believe, as a people, actually understand that we actually are family. Because we're of the flesh before Christ, we are anti-his thinking. And this is why our mind must be renewed, because it brings us into alignment with him and how he sees everything. And so our mindsets need to be changed if we are to appropriate the reality of how God sees us. Would you agree with that? Because our behavior determines really our mindset. How we live and act determines what we actually believe and think. And when you are a family and you understand family and you're a family that's being transformed by the power of God, there's real life in that. And there's two things that I believe every person's probably looking for on planet Earth. And these are the two things that are being attacked the most. 
One is love and one of the other's family. And we know the God of love, he is love, and he says, you're my family. And every human being is looking for love. I looked in the wrong places for nine or ten years, even though I'd been brought up in an incredible loving family. The love of my mum and dad still wasn't enough to complete who I was because I had a position in me that was created for him. So although I was brought up in an incredible family, I was still seeking love. But not human love, him. And then when I found him in 1997, he started bringing me into his family. You see, you didn't choose to be in this family, he chose you. And this is where the dynamics all start. Because see, in our natural family, we chose to have children. So we made a choice pretty much. We want to have family, but you don't necessarily necessarily want to be with one another. Because you didn't choose, he chose us. But here's the deal, he's God, we're not, and he chose us to put us together to be his family. But not any family, be a transformational family. And I want to look at this over the next few weeks because it's so, so, so important that we are, be, and become the family that he talks about. And the thing this family is anchored to when I read about it is love. Love defines how the family will act and live, and it defines the choices that one makes. So here's the equation that I want us to look at, and it's called this. Sanctification plus works, which is the will of God, equals transformational family. So this is the outcome. And for a lot of what we've been teaching so far, we've been teaching process. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, just start painting the outcome. Paint the picture so people can see what the process is all about. So we have to, as his people, be able to see process and outcome. But here's the catch. I'm going to start talking about outcome but I don't want you to go chasing the outcome. That's your natural disposition, is to want to chase the outcome. Okay? So I just want to paint over the next three or four weeks the outcome. But I don't want you to try and go, right, how do I now be that? Because you'll fail. And then we're going to come back and we're going to look at process because it's this plus this, which is spirit-led works, will equal a transformational family, and we will become the very people that God calls us to become, and we will live in accordance to that. Christianity is about the demonstration of Christ's life in and through the church, isn't it? It's not about an intellectual pursuit of knowledge that you can spout it's about a demonstration of a life in you coming through you. So a world and a church would see God on the earth. So I don't know what you think Christianity is about, but I'm telling you, that's what it's about. The Bible says, walk in the manner in which Christ walked. That he has predestined us to be transformed into the image of the Son. That as he was on the earth, we are to be. So God is looking for his family, his sons, his bride, his body, his nation, his priests to demonstrate the life of Christ. And it starts as a family and then it's broken into individuals because individuals make up a family, don't they? And our challenge is we know how to do physical family really well, mostly. I know there's a lot of dysfunctional physical families on the earth. But we know how to do the physical well. We don't necessarily know how to be a spiritual family the way God calls us to be. 
And so if that doesn't change, then all those that don't enter in don't live as the family that we're called to live, and you live as you have always lived, which is from you. And the challenge we have is we are called to lose ourselves in Christ and now to live for the will of God. And as we enter into this thing called sanctification, which will redefine us and have us living as him, then we'll actually do spirit-led works, and then we will have accomplished the will of God. And Jesus said, I've come to do the will of my Father on the earth. And he would say things which would challenge the absolute core of his mother, his father, and his brothers. And he would say this, you are not my family. Those guys over there are my family because they do this thing called the will of God. So just because you are my bloodline does not mean you are my spiritual family. I want you to be, I call you to be, I invite you to be, but you can live your whole life living for your family, physical family, and never enter into really becoming the fulfillment of what I had for you. You're still a son but you stay as an immature son and you don't grow up to become the mature son and the whole thing is about a maturity because he's marrying a mature bride, not an immature one. It's pretty sick in the physical if I was to marry a five-year-old. That's wrong, isn't it? And we know that in the physical, but you know what? In the spiritual, it's all the shadow of something. Jesus isn't going to marry five-year-olds. He's looking for his bride. He's looking for his equal because as he was, we are to be. The whole truth tells you we are to be conformed to the image of God through the power of the Spirit. So this morning, I want to just give you attributes that paint the picture of who we are called to become. And I hope you can start to see the picture of the life in which you're called to experience and the life you're called to live from, and the life that you're called to demonstrate. Because this is why you were born. Did any one of you choose to be here? So if you didn't choose to be here, wouldn't you want to find out your purpose for your life? And what are you doing with the gift of life that you've been given? knowing that you didn't create you. So there was a gift called life given to you, and then the giver of the gift stands back, and he says, would you give me back that life? Because I'm the giver of the gift, and I don't want you to define your life. I want to define it because I gave it to you. And if I define your life, it will be the best life you've ever had. But if you define your life, it'll be the worst life you've probably ever had, Because it will end in heartbreak, hurt, disillusionment, frustration, not rest, joy, peace, life that lasts for eternity. And so I'm looking for a family on planet Earth. I've been looking for her for centuries. And some have already done this and done well. And they are cheering you on in the slot that you've been given on the earth called life. That's why the psalmist wrote, Lord, teach me to number my days so a heart of wisdom can be produced in me. Meaning, teach me to number that my life can go like that. So I want to get on track with your will. I want to understand you and your purpose and your plans because I didn't create myself. And you've given me this thing called life, which is a gift. I want to give it back to you so you can define it, reshape it so I can have abundant life. What an invitation. But none of that is found in the physical. None of that is found in the old ways in which we've all entered the world. So there needs to be a transformation of the mind, a renewing of the mind through the power of God. It's the only way it happens. The power of God renews the human mindset to the mind of Christ. And now you're able to live in accordance to God's will because you can see it. That's what faith is. Ultimately, faith is the ability to see as God sees, receive it, live from it. It's an absolute assurance of what you know to be true, and your life backs it up in action. 
It's not this, I hope God you'll come and come through for me. That's trust. Faith is this absolute conviction of something you know is true, so your life reflects what you know is true. And God is calling us to a life of truth where we would actually be able to say with all confidence, Lord, I've done your will. Because I knew you, I know who I knew who I was in you, and I know what you are calling me to as a community, as a family. And I am part of a family. See, when things go wrong in the family, do you run away? Why does the church run away when things don't go right? Why is it when we don't get our own way, we get the hump and we get all upset and we fight and squabble and scribble and we devour one another with our freedom. Do you know why? Because we don't have a revelation of family. What we have is we're a club, and at a club, you pay your dues, and when you want to leave a club, you leave a club because you join another club because you didn't like the club. See, family calls for a greater, much, much greater standard. Spiritual family calls you to live here, not on the earth. Spiritual family, you have to set your mind on the things above, receive the things of the above so you can live on the earth as of the above. It's the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The way in which you live and operate here is operating here. Well, how is it going to happen? It's going to come through you and I as our minds are restored and renewed as we enter into the will of God. The Bible says that the church should be proving what the will of God is. Not asking what is the will, proving it. Because the church is maturing as his family. Tracking so far? So this is process, and that is outcome. But do not focus on the outcome. I'm going to paint the picture of the outcome. All I want is I want you to see what you're moving towards. And then we're going to spend a lot of time on the process. Because as one goes through the process, the outcome will just happen. The outcome is a natural fruit of a result of following Christ. But our natural thing is to not go through process and get the outcome tomorrow. And we say this, how do I do that? And there are how-tos. You just have to make sure they're the spiritual how-tos and not the fleshly how-tos. So the how-to is we're going to look at what sanctification is. And we're going to look at what these are. Because I don't know, there's so much confusion in this whole area of what the will of God is. Because a lot of people think the will of God is this individual purpose and plan for them. And you know what that births? Individualism. Self loves that. Because it says, what about me? And God's like, what about you? It ain't about you. It's about me. (laughs) And my purpose starts for my people, family, well before it ever starts for you as an individual. That's the order in which God flows. So you're redeemed as an individual. And then very quickly, you're supposed to understand that I'm part of a family and I'm laying my life down to serve the family and him. And from that place now I live. But if we're still trying to find out who us and our plan, you'll go round and round and round the mountain on that. So we're going to unpack that because it's an area I believe that causes a lot of confusion in God's people. And it's an area that I don't believe personally that we've taught that well. Because we've taken scripture and we've taken it out of context and we've put our spin on it. And it sounds amazing, but all it's done is feed the flesh. And so it creates, actually creates more division than it does life. So, come with me to John 11, 9 to 13. John 11, 9 to 13. That's not even right, Greg. Sorry. It's John 1. <laughs> so the PowerPoint's wrong. Sorry, Rochelle. John 1, 9 to 13. 
We are called to be communal in heart and missional in attitude. So as his people, we are called to be community, communal in heart, missional in attitude. We have a message to become and a message to proclaim. Think about that. We could be communal, to love God, to love one another. Communion with God means fellowship with God, to be one with him and one another. What would a whole community look like, a family look like that was one? Can you imagine the love that you and I would experience through God, through one another, if we were truly this mature people? that we are becoming, so we're sons, but he wants to grow up the family. And it's no different to every physical family, is it? I'm using this a lot lately. It's Danielle and I are co-heirs of our family. We are raising up children. And the goal is to raise up mature children, to love them unconditionally and to love them with discipline. So by grace... (laughs) We hope and believe all things that these children will make wise choices because of what they've been modeled, what they've been held to, and the love and the discipline they've received will hopefully produce a mature adult that is responsible adult who then experiences the fullness of life. I'm just talking about now in the physical. Now you take that and that's what's supposed to be in the spiritual. That spiritual sons are raised up because this thing called seed time and harvest. It's a principle, Genesis 8.22, where the seed, there's a harvest, and it produces a crop. So if you plant melons, watermelon, seed, there's a harvest, you get watermelons. The seed, the imperishable seed of sonship is planted in you the day you receive Christ. There's a harvest, and you hope that sons are the harvest. Mature sons who know the father's business, because we're all business people. Did you know that? If you didn't think you were, you're a businesswoman or a businessman because you're in the father's business. And he is the father and he is business of changing, transforming lives. And you're sons of the father's business. You're a co-heir with Christ. You've been assigned things to come into and know and understand and to live from. Some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about this morning? And Cena's going, keep preaching. It's the truth. It's the absolute truth. You can see why we need to believe, eh? There's one of the six attributes. If you don't believe, then you're unbelieving. Which means if you unbelieve, you don't come into because you're not moving towards if I came around to your house, if you invited me around to your house every night and you prepared a meal for me and I never ate it, then what's the point? It could be a beautiful meal that you've spent hours and hours and you've gone the, the paleo diet and you've created this thing because you know that I'm trying to cut down sugar and all this stuff. So you go to all this length, you spend all this money, you create this meal after night, after night, after night, after night, but I just turn up. And I don't partake. What would be the point of your time and energy? What would be the point in God of putting this all down for us and what we're talking about if we're not going to believe? We'll be like the Israelites who never entered the promised land because of unbelief. And it is a tall, high order that God calls us to. It's not an earthly one, guys. If you think your purpose is on earth, contain an earth and an earthly function, you need that mindset snapped out of you right now. We have been created to be sons of the Most High God, to live on earth as a place to serve the earth, but we are going towards an eternal realm and perspective which we will live forever. Earth was never our home. It's the place we serve. We are going towards our home. If we only have eyes for the earth, we can go back into our old life, get entangled on our old life. But if we have eyes to see a heavenly home, Hebrews 11, we will move forward towards that home, not be tempted to go back and live in our muck. That's why the Bible says, keep your eyes firmly on the Christ. Do not be entangled in your stuff because you do not find life in you. You only find it in him. 
But if we don't have a picture of the end, and yet the Bible says in, in Isaiah 46.10 that God created the end, then he went back and started the beginning. God declares the end from the beginning. If we don't know the end, we don't start well. If we don't have sight, we're aimlessly walking around hoping to find something. Bang, what's that? Don't know what that is. Bang, what's that? Don't know what that is. Bang, that really hurt. Bang, over here. Gee, I don't know what that was. But if you have sight, sight, I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. You walk straight. You don't partake of that because you know that's going to kill you. You don't partake of it. No, no, no. Come on, man. The darts come, boom, whatever. Why? Because this thing, for momentary light affliction, I'm going towards the thing I can see. Because I was never created for here. I will serve with my life here in you, and you will put incredible life in me. But I was created for greater things than that. And the church needs to lift its eyes off the earth and into this realm. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth where Christ is seated in heavenly places. All this is written down for us. But if we have not eating, then you have no concept that's there, and you will live in accordance to what you see. That's how you get five wise and five foolish. That's how you get the guy with the talent who buried it and the guys that used it. So yes, he loves us, but he loves us into purpose. He loves us into a destiny. He loves us to bring us into who we are in him. John 1, 9 there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Are you being enlightened by the truth? Is your life changing? Are you being transformed into his sons? Because the light came to enlighten. I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to the realization of who we are called to be, chosen, predestined to be. Your parents didn't even choose you, really. It messes with us, doesn't it? It really rattles the physical reality, this does. It's like being shaken up and down. It's like God's going to see what falls out. Whoa, my foundations are really starting to be no, no, your foundation's in Christ, it doesn't move. If we're being moved, it's showing you your foundations are probably in a mindset that's not of Him. You can't rock the foundation, you build your life on it. So you've got to ask, what is my true foundation, if it's wavering? Because this Christ, truth, He comes to enlighten every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. Isn't it cool to know everything was made through him? But the world didn't know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. That's twofold. So you can read that and think he's just talking about Israel. He's not. I believe there's something deeper than that. See, I was always chosen to be his, but I didn't know him when I was born. I didn't know him for the first 29 years of my life. But I was always going to be his. It's way bigger than just this physical reality. We just want to keep it nice and safe in the physical. Well, that's those guys. That's not me. He's not talking about me when he talks about these scriptures. Those are those Israel people. Those Jews, man, they were hard-hearted and dumb. So glad he's not talking about me. I'm so different to them. Oh, really? <laughs> Man's man. Anyway, let's get on to it. Um, but as many as received him, remember what the first attribute was over the last six weeks? We must receive him. Not through our mind, but through power of our spirit. To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name and were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. 
So, the invitation goes out that those who believe, doesn't matter whether you're Jew, Gentile, black, yellow, pink, English, African, Samoan, whatever, whoever believes, he gives the right to become an heir. Do you have the opportunity of becoming royalty on this earth? I'm English, but there's no way they're going to accept me as royalty. I'm from Liverpool. I'm not from the plum side of town. <laughs> I'm from the rough side of town where you talk like that and you nick people's cars off their, their tires off their cars. So I've got no shot of being royalty here on earth from a physical line. I didn't come through the right lineage. I didn't come through the queen's lineage and the king's. Cena did. Cena's got royalty in his Samoan bloodline. But do you know what? In him we have. Are we living as a family that are royalty? Are we coming into transformational family because we know we're royalty? And because we know we're royalty, we're living from the identity of royalty, our lives reflect that. Living in the abundance, not the lack. Because I don't know about you, but when I look at Prince Harry and William, they don't look like they live in lack. They live in this thing called a palace. Anyone been there? It's massive. There's this massive palace. I mean, how many rooms do you need? I only sleep in one. They've got about 50 million. And they've got these guys in uniform with funny hats, and they stand in front of it, and they don't smile. You can go in front of them and go... They're English, remember? We're English. <laughs> I mean, they don't live in lack. They don't hold on to their things. They release. Why? Because they know who they are, because they have an abundance. Are we in a family of an abundance? Well, we've shown you our financial reality over numbers of months, and it hasn't changed. And we're not doing what we could do because there's a lack. Now in him there's no lack, but there's a lack in us. But see, when you're full of the resource of heaven, because you know who you are and you're a family member of the most royal high, and that is your identity, then things start to shift and change. Your whole mindset starts to align, which means your behavior starts to align, which means now you look like what you're supposed to look like. There's no longer this hypocrisy happening. There's no longer this gap between who we're called to be and who we are. The gap is closed. Why? Because as he was, you are. What you say, you do. And there's oneness. Here's our challenge, isn't it? And we've got to stop playing religious games, pretending everything's right, because there's something on offer in him, in us, and it's life. But you can't find it without him. And you won't find it on your own because he's put us together. So whether you like it or not, his way is together. But I don't know, man, I want to fight that because I think I can do it on my own. But I won't find transformational family on my own because it's not the way. It ain't the way, guys. Me and Jesus on our own is not his way. That is not his will. So don't expect to find life if you're trying to live it on your own because it's not the will of God. You're anti-God. Not you're the antichrist. The way you are living is anti his way. You'll end up rebuking God like Peter instead of surrendering to him. It ain't a good thing. So let's just, I want to give you some things. <laughs> so this is what I want to look at over the next few weeks. I'm doing it. Now, painting the picture of how we, God's family, are to live our lives on the earth. We're going to look at the attributes, qualities, values, and culture that make up this family, his family. We're going to look at the opposing forces that exist to stop this family being formed. We're going to look at the life that's released when this family is formed on the earth. And we're going to look at how this family is formed into becoming his family. So just come with me to Acts. This is a beautiful picture of a reality. Acts 4, verses 29. 
Now, here's something the church has done in the past, not all, just some people, is if we've read this and then we've tried to manufacture it in our flesh. And this is why I don't want you to focus on the outcome, even though I'm going to paint the outcome, I want you to see the picture. But if you try and make this happen, if you try and replicate this, it won't work. It has to be an internal change. That's why I want us to look at the sanctification process because that's what changes you so now you just find yourself doing it plenty of people in the past have tried to set up house groups and church and houses and all that last probably about three months before the flesh turns up and everyone rips each other's head apart because all we're trying to do is an external replication of what we read but what we don't have is the heartbeat of the people that are in this place and that's what I want to look at right now because there are certain qualities I'm going to give you three that these people have living within them and you need them if you're going to be this. If we don't have these three and the other about 12 I'm going to talk about, this will never happen. The evidence demands a verdict, doesn't it, in the court case. So the evidence is the external expression of what you see. So the external expression is the last outcome of the process of an internal work that Jesus is starting. The challenge is we can try and replicate that. That's why you can have two people washing people's feet and you go, wow, look how humble they are. One is, one's not. Both might not be, both might be, but the physical act isn't the guarantee ultimately that they're humble and yet a spirit of humility will outwork itself in a physical act. Can you hear what I'm saying? So you can't look at the physical, you've got to discern the heart as to really what's going on. That's why we must be a people of spirit. Because our natural is, I could get 10 bucks off every one of you, that doesn't mean you're generous. But you could go, wow, what a generous community. Everyone gave $10, no, no. There were three people that were generous. Everyone else just did a law, felt stink, gave it because they thought they should. It doesn't mean that when we walk out that door and you're asked to be generous or generous is demanded of you, you can be. Because unless the work is being done, sanctification by the power of the Spirit, it's just an act. It can look good, sound good, praise on the back, but there's no life. And when you're called to, you can't live this because it's not in you. And you know when you're really tested? <laughs> Do you want to really know when you're really tested to see whether you've got life in you? is when offence comes. When offence comes, you'll know what's really in you. <laughs> but see, as mature family, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they're the sons of God. Peacemakers go into environments where there are no peace to make peace, and they don't cause more chaos. They try to cause peace. Jesus said, you've heard it said that you are to hate your enemy and love your neighbor. But I tell you, you are to now love your enemy and pray for your enemy because you are sons. Ooh. See, real family act like the son because we are sons. We have this imperishable seed of sonship, which means God's causing us to be like Christ. See, we can say it. Sounds good. Can you live it? And this is the family he's raising up here at the rock. A family that actually is able to demonstrate. So I'm going to read a whole lot of scripture. You ready? I'm going to read it fast. And I don't have my glasses, so here we go. <laughs> Bear with me. Yell something out if I get some words wrong. Uh, Acts 4.29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence while extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through your name of your holy servant, Jesus. So this is where Peter and John have laid hands on a guy. They've prayed for a healing, and now they've been arrested, thrown in prison, and there's this opposition. Um, opposition, opposition. Okay, verse 31. And, they had and when they prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own, 
but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of of the sakes and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas, was the apostle by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the piece of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and a great fear came over all who heard of it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them, however. The people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number, to such an extent that even they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets, so that Peter, so that when Peter came, at least a shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. God's transformational family demonstrates very different lives to the families of the world. We are to live completely different from the world. Our priorities, values, and culture are to be polar opposite to the world's. The first attribute of transformational family is found in verse 31. And when they had prayed. This is where it all starts. Prayer releases life. So, the challenge. Are we a family who pray? When we call for prayer, we have regular gatherings for prayer. If we go on evidence as far as numbers, it's not flash. And yet, this is where spiritual transformational families start. These people were praying the place where they had gathered together was shaken. Prayer unlocks power. Why? Because the Father sees the heart and is drawn And power comes and starts to shift and change and alter everything. See, when we live from the flesh, we try and change ourselves. Doesn't work, does it? We try and build the church. We try and build the kingdom. All that's rubbish. We can't. We try, we try, we try, and it's tiring, exhaustive, frustrative. And God says, why don't you try giving prayer a go? Because it's the way in which I operate. I do. You surrender. Come into my way. 
I want to read you X 114. I'm going to fly through these. All, sorry, these all, X 114, it'll be behind me. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. What does that mean? It means they were praying all the time. Continually devoting. What are we continually devoting our lives to? Who are we devoting our lives to? With the gift of life you've been given, are you devoting yourself to your own life? Or are you devoting yourself to Him and allowing Him to define the life that's not even yours? So here's a people that were of one mind. We're going to look at this later on. They were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 2.42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Not just prayer. There were three other things they were devoting their lives to. This is a priority to these people, isn't it? Acts 12 verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. Not by individuals, by the church. And it was fervently being lifted up to God. Acts 16, 25 to 26. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were unfastened. Prayer releases bondage off people. So prayer is one of the first attributes of a family of God. And this is where the challenge, this is where the, 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 what do you say? the thing hits the road, the rubber hits the road. What's the point of turning up, turning up, turning up, but really not being the family of God? It's just religious ritual. It's human tradition. You care more about your human tradition than you do the commandments of God. So somehow you rationalize what you're doing, but there's no life. And so the challenge and the question that I'm asking myself, am I a follower of prayer? Am I modeling this thing as a person who finds themselves in a position of leadership, am I modeling it? 24-7, fervently, devoting, because I understand the power of prayer. And you can rest and trust in Him. But there's a wrestle for time, isn't there? Because we're going to say, I don't have the time. Well, no one has the time. You've got to make the time. And you make the time because you love them. You see, we don't have to pray. You get to. Think about that. It's not about having to do anything. We get to because we've been chosen to be family. Children that are his. Children that are his pray. Second attribute of the transformational family are people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 31 again, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. Filled, 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 filled. The word filled means filled. We're actually to live from overflow. Because God is the God of abundance. And John 3, 3, 3, 3.34 says God doesn't give us spirit without limit. And there are to be rivers of living water coming out of the family of God. Because the family of God are a resource to the earth. Because they demonstrate hope and joy and life and freedom and rest. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came and filled the vessel up to an overflow measure. So the challenge and the question again is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you even know what that is? Are you afraid of that? Has that been part of your understanding before? Have you resisted that because you don't understand? Because what we don't understand, we try and rationalize a way to keep ourselves safe. 
What we don't understand, we'll put under a carpet and hope it goes away. But the lump gets bigger and bigger till you trip over the carpet and God brings you back going, are you filled with my spirit? If you're not filled with my spirit, then you don't have my power. If you don't have my power, you're going to try and live for me in your own strength. And if you're trying to live for me in your own strength, that's going to get you burnt out. So I have to trump you with something greater than you. You can't kill yourself through your own strength. I don't want you to die to yourself through your own ability. What I want to do is I want to come and fill your vessel. I want to fill your cup up so you naturally don't live. I want to put something so great in you that it's not of you that when I put it in you, you're going to go, how amazing is that? Now I want to live for you. That's how God works. That happened to me in 1997. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and have continued to receive of the Spirit, the Word of God, which just keeps you in an abundance. So it's easy. See, it's not hard when you're filled with the Spirit. I don't want to offend anyone. We say Christianity is hard. It's probably because we're not filled with the Spirit. It's hard because in your own strength, you're trying to accomplish something that you cannot do. God knows your state. That's why he filled these people with his Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden now, what? They're praying. See, pre-Acts, these guys were doing things like us. Can you see the difference between pre-Acts and after-Acts? Peter's a different man. He's not perfect, and his mind still needs to be restored, but he goes from the guy denying Jesus three times to proclaiming an act, standing up in front of everybody. He's the guy that's now thrown in prison. Other than that, he would have been running away. Remember, he was running away from death. Now he's running into death. Why? Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit that brings you power and life in your vessel so you no longer live. Which means now you have a passion for prayer, laying your life down, giving, reaching out to others, his word. But you can't do that. You can't muster that up. You can't go, I'm going to do this. And now you live from rest because you are filled with the thing that these people were filled with. This is so key. And they were praying, see, in Acts 1.14, Jesus said to them, go to the upper room, wait, oh, we hate that, wait upon me till my power, which is promised, comes upon you. So seek it, be present, do what I ask you to do, be there when I'm about to come when my timing hits, and guess what? You're going to be filled with the promise that I spoke, prophecy happened, boom! And now these people are full of life, a whole lot of people thought they were drunk. That's human, isn't it? Don't understand that, you must be drunk. No, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, you just haven't come into that yet. So don't throw it away and rationalize it away because you don't understand it. Believe to understand that it's for you. Because look at the life. So they're starting to demonstrate a life they couldn't demonstrate before because they're now filled with the Spirit of God. The power of God that was promised by Jesus. They were there, but you need to wait. It's the thing that we're not good at. We have modern technology What's the score between Poland and Albania right now and the European champs? I could tell you. I don't know. <laughs> but I could tell you within two seconds. So I don't have to wait. I don't have to go home. I can do it right at my fingertip. But unfortunately, that's not the currency of heaven. Now, God sometimes comes like that. But he says, oh, I'm looking for something. So wait. So they were waiting and the Bible says they were praying. So before they get filled, they're in prayer. They heard the commandment, were present, praying, waiting, boom. Let me keep reading on. Phenomenal. Um, Acts 2, 4. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was given them utterance. Okay, those tongues are the tongues of the nations that were already in Jerusalem. 
Acts 7.55, but being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven, this is Stephen, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. See, it's very hard to be stoned to death and say, Father, forgive them. If you don't have and are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Should we give it a go? Who wants to be stoned by the, micro- uh, by the speaker? We'll just go, boom, see if you can say forgive. It's impossible. God knows it's impossible. Hence, God sent his Holy Spirit to fill the church so the church lives from the power of the Spirit. This man, the Bible says, is full of the Holy Spirit. He's looking from the eyes of his heart and the eyes of the Spirit into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Spirit brings sight. Spirit brings life. The Spirit, the Word of truth, Spirit, Word, all the same thing. You get more of Jesus in you. You start to see unseen things. You see the end from the beginning. You walk in accuracy. It's all outlaid for us, guys. There's nothing stopping it but us and our human thinking. Acts 8, 14 to 17. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God, They sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. That word receive, receive, it's the word we've looked at. Not any way, his way. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying hands on them and they received, receiving the Holy Spirit. So there's baptism in water. And then there's a baptism in spirit. They're two different things. They can happen all at once. Because once again, God's not outside. And one can happen before the other. So for me, I was baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Then I got baptized in water. That's scriptural too. There's no order to this thing. It's a heart desire of seeking him. So here are these guys, they've only been baptized in water. He says, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Man, you need this. If you're going to live for Jesus, you need to be filled. No, okay, come over here. Boom. Hey, thanks very much. On we go. <laughs> it's the enablement. It's the empowerment. The power of in you, within you. That's why Paul talks about it all the time. I pray that you're strengthened from power from within you so you can comprehend with all the saints. Love. We're going to read that. Oh, man. Acts 10.38, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus was God and man on earth, correct? Jesus went through everything as a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit and power to show you and I what is possible in Him as men and women. You take the filling of the Spirit out, we're just human beings trying to follow a guy that's filled of the Holy Spirit and power. There's no way you and I can imitate Paul as he imitates the Christ if we're not in the life Paul was in, can we? Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit and power. Hence, he's able to imitate Christ. And he says to you and I, hey, look at my life and imitate me. So if you're going to be, you need to be in what I'm in. And it's not because I'm super special. It's for everybody because that's the purpose and that's the plan of God. So then you can be my transformational family on the earth that no longer live for themselves, but live for me and my will. And a whole world see that family and go, wow, who are you guys? And you go, we're just these people that know God. And he filled us with his love and his life. So now we can live this way. And it's just normal for us. We know it's not normal for you that we would put you first and put us second, but that's normal for us because we're the family of God and that's what he demonstrated and did. But you take the Holy Spirit out of that and the power of the Holy Spirit, 
well, then you've got a church that's struggling and it's hard and it's all too much and it's like, well, I'm not giving you anything in my milk because I don't know whether tomorrow's coming. Sorry, Jack, I'm looking after me. You have slaves that live as... Sorry, you have sons that live as slaves. These are just two, but they're key attributes. And the last one, and I'll wrap it here, is a people who believe. And the congregation of those who believed. This is all in 4, 31 and 32. They believed. Believe a deep-rooted conviction of what was spoken. So God declares a reality in his word. Do you believe, have you received through the power of God what is spoken? Not, I have a mental agreement with some words on a page. That may be the start to a final work, but that's not really what it means to believe. To say, yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and then not seek it, come into it, really is like, no, you don't. Because actions flow from true beliefs. Once again, it's not what we say, it's who we are and how we live that will truly tell you your true belief system. And I know this can be hard to hear and it's challenging, but it's the truth and the truth will set you free. And we've been governed to preach the truth that sets you free, not the truth that makes you feel good. And so I hope you can hear the love that's coming behind the truth. It would hurt me if you can't, because my heart is love to just present his version of himself that we would understand Man, that's why my Christianity's hard, maybe. Maybe that's why I've been struggling for years and I feel like I'm outside of something because actually I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not someone who prays. That's okay because you're still his son. It's just not okay to stay there. Not because of him or anyone else, but because of what he has for you. You're hurting you. The only person that is really hurting is you're hurting yourself. That will affect the community because if a whole lot of angels just rock up and live as individuals, then we're not going to be that. Which ultimately means God's not actually seeing his purposes outworked here. But know this, his purposes will be being outworked somewhere for a people that go yes and amen. So ultimately, all we are doing by saying no and being unbelief is we're hurting ourselves. And everyone who goes, I'm sick and tired of being that. I'm sick and tired of being afraid. I'm sick and tired of trusting in me. I've heard a guy in Nottingham Gorge say there is this Holy Spirit and if I pray and seek with an open heart and a right heart and the motive of my heart is pure, it's not so I can just get this to live for me. It's because I want to live for you and I'm prepared to wait and persist and go after, he will honor that heart and come. Why? Because it's his purposes and it's his will. So that's the challenge. The life that God has created for all of us is nothing short of breathtaking. But our challenge is in believing of this life and our movement towards this life. Transformational family are a family who pray who are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is a continuous thing because we're to be continually receiving God, more of Him. So if, he, if we receive more, we have Him, but as He renews our mind, then that's receiving more, so then we're able to live in accordance. So Peter was filled with the power of God and still didn't know the Holy Spirit was for the Gentiles. So here's another picture for us. I need to give you more of me so then you're able to live it out. So Father, I want to just thank you for you are truth and you are life and everything pertained in you is life and truth and abundant. I thank you, Lord, that there is no lack in you and you call us to live in the place of abundance for you said those that come through the door will find life 
and abundant life. They will go in and out and find green pastures. If we're not in that today, that's okay, Father. And you know it's okay because your love is always believing and hoping for us. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir us to seek you. You would stir us to reposition ourselves in our relationship with you if that's what's needed. Lord, if we're on fire, I pray we would be hungry for more. I pray we would not sit and rest in where we're at, but you would put a continuous hunger, like your word says, that never runs out because of the abundance that we have found. But Lord, you are building a family here and a family that reflect you and demonstrate the wisdom of God in their own lives, through their own lives, and as a family, as a community. We're not a club, Lord. We're not an organization. We're not an institution. We're children of yours, heirs of a throne. So may we we appropriate and receive through our pursuit you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So often the temptation could be now do an altar call, but we're not going to. Lay hands on people. Don't sense that what God's saying. Do it in your groups. Do it in your own bedroom. Start pursuing him as an individual and as discipleship groups. Maybe it's time to get in a discipleship group so you can start walking this out and receiving as him.